Hi and welcome to episode number 43 of the Birthing in Finland podcast. This episode is a little bit different than we've had before as it's the first birth story that you will hear on the show. It's Amelia's birth story of her son Phoenix. Together with Amelia, I have on this episode her birth doula, Rosalia, who is also a doula with The Nest. On this episode, you'll find out how Amelia prepared for birth, what happened in the labor, as well as in those moments after. Amelia's story is an unmedicated vaginal birth at Jorvi Hospital in Espo, and she adds so many wonderful additional details on the episode, from the car ride to the hospital to her baby's first poop while being born. So join us on this episode to hear what birthing in Finland was like for Amelia. Welcome to the Birthing in Finland podcast, brought to you by the Nest Doulas. I'm Danielle Bensky, a mother and postpartum doula specializing in maternal well-being and psychology. Each episode, you'll hear eye-opening interviews with some amazing people who support families in Finland just like yours. We'll help you navigate what it means to birth in Finland, growing your confidence on your parenting journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into our daily dose of birthing in Finland. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Birthing in Finland podcast. Today we have something really special for you, um, a birth story. I'm really excited to host here Amelia and Rosalia. Amelia uh, is the birth giver and Rosalia was her doula at the birth. Uh, Rosalia is a doula with The Nest and so having them here together on the show to talk about the experience is really, really exciting. And I want to just welcome both of you. Um, maybe we can start with Amelia. You want to tell us a little bit about who you are, how long you've been living in Finland, how old your baby is. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yes, of course. So my name's Amelia and I'm from Australia and I've lived in Finland for eight years. And now I have a lovely little boy who was born in Helsinki with Rosalia and he's seven and a half months old and his name is Phoenix. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's wonderful. And hi, Rosalia. <laughs> hi, Danielle. Hi, Amelia. <laughs> Good to have you back. Everyone knows Rosalia already by now. If you don't, go back and listen to our episodes together. <laughs> um, but yes, so I want to start off this episode by mm, giving Amelia a chance to maybe talk about the preparation for labor before we go into the birth story itself. I mean, you had you had Rosalia also guiding you, and I would love to hear a little bit more on that journey, which took, I don't know, a few months perhaps of, of preparing once you were already pregnant and once you were kind of starting to think about birth, what were you doing to to prepare yourself for that? Yeah, okay. So personally, I had somehow known in the back of my mind that one day if I was lucky to get pregnant that I would want a doula for the birth. So I think I was only maybe three months pregnant or four four months pregnant maybe. It was quite early on that I was like, okay, it's time to find my doula. And uh, a friend of mine who's been studying to be a doula actually a couple years ago had been looking up doulas in Helsinki and had found Rosalia and sent me her link and was like, oh, she looks great. And I had kept her in my mind for all that time. And so I felt she was the one. <laughs> and we had a little chat and I was already convinced before we chatted. But yeah, so the reason why... I wanted a doula is I'm somebody that really likes to know the person in this kind of situation who's going to be supporting me and being yes. able to 100% trust them. And I know that the system in Finland is such that you don't know who your birth team is going to be. And also just being in a foreign country, just having somebody there that understands the system. And um, I'm also somebody that likes to really self-educate. So anything that I'm getting into, not just birth, but anything I really do my research and so it's one thing to do you know have google as your friend but another thing to have a real life person there with you and so i did both things i really did a lot of online research and videos i did an online hypnobirthing course 
and I used a lot of um, different websites and podcasts, including your podcast, actually, <laughs> um, and also like evidence-based birth, the website yes. and, um, I don't know, different resources like that. Um, and then having Rosalia basically lifted that up another notch because she has a lot of resources that she gives her clients. So she helped a lot with spinning babies techniques and showing them to me in real life rather than just watching a video, which is mm. invaluable. And what else did I do to prepare? She came and hung out with us a lot. So we got to know each other in a really relaxed way, which was lovely. Yeah. And I, I guess also just going into birth with the normal fears of pain and the, you know, big question mark of having this big event and you don't know how it's going to turn out. So my yeah. mindset was kind of think of all the things that could go right or wrong and educate myself about those different pathways. So I wanted to have no, no medication, non-medicated and as natural kind of, you know, as possible, but I know that that's not always how it goes. So just wanted to keep in mind that, oh, okay, if, I don't know, the waters break and nothing happens for 30 hours, what are my options? Or I don't know, all these different things that can happen. I didn't want to just be surprised and shocked or something happened that I didn't know was going on or surprised cesarean and like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. I wanted yeah. to leave the birth with a really positive memory, positive feeling, and I think that's how Rosalia really helped. And I remember in our conversation, something that's really stuck with me is that she told me about a lot of her clients, uh, confidentially, of course, and then many of them she said, oh, and on their second birth or their third birth, and I remember thinking, oh, why would you have a doula for your second or third birth? And then now having had a birth, 100% would always have. Right. If not Rosalia, then, then another doula for every birth. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm interested to hear why. Maybe we'll get to that later when you tell your birth story and we'll, we'll talk sure. about the moments where you felt like having Rosalia's support was, was so important to you. But but um, yeah, let's let's get into that more because that's a really interesting point and like lesson that that you, you know, that you had. So I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, and if I can just Rosalia. add that um, yeah. it was really encouraging to have somebody coming early in the pregnancy to get to know them. And so it was really nice to get to know Amelia and her husband and build that foundation together and get to know what they wanted. I mean, uh, it's really important for me as a doula to better support my clients to know exactly what it is they're hoping for, to then give them the tools they need to work towards that. But as Amelia was saying, to also lay the foundation that we do the best we can and on the day we do the best we can with what is happening as well. And so when we have additional tools, we can actually get through anything that might come up. And that is, I think, the key um, takeaway, if I think of uh, the birth with Amelia, is how she utilised everything that we had talked about in the pregnancy on the day of her birth in such a way to actually walk away confident and, and having a beautiful birth story that she's going to share now with us. Yeah. Thank you for adding that. So let's dive into the birth story. Do you have anything else to add before we do that? About the preparation or did you, do you feel like you mentioned um, everything, Amelia? Um, I think so. I mean, maybe I'd like to add that some of the preparations I did, I feel um, did mean the birth was smoother than if, uh, if I had done nothing um, and that was because of Rosalia's advice also that she helped a bit with some diet recommendations and things like going to osteo just before the birth and in fact I went to the osteo less than 24 hours before the layover started and uh, when I went to the osteo I said okay I'm ready just to do what you need to do and then um, it started um, and also the spinning babies exercises so I've, I've I like to think that these things did help the, the labor yeah. go very smoothly yeah. um, and much faster. I was expecting it to go much longer. So other than that, I could just dive right in if you yeah. if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Give us a little bit of the of the backdrop. If you can just mention like the month and the year that this happened and in which hospital were you if you chose to birth in the hospital so people can kind of understand the, the context of, of this story. 
Yeah, sure. So um, my due date was the 5th of July and the birth Which- was on the 2nd. Uh, oh, that's that's also important. Uh, 2022. <laughs> 2022. 2022 July, and yeah. um, the birth date end up happening on happening on the second of July. So okay. a few days early, which yeah, is fine by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we were in Helsinki at the time, and maybe that can be part of the story of which ho- hospital we we went to. But um, we ended up in Jorvi, which is in Espoo. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Wonderful. All right. So how did it begin? <laughs> so <laughs> it began quite early in the morning. I thought that I'd always remember the time, but already only seven months later I've forgotten. It was about 3 or 4 a.m. <laughs> um, and I do remember it was, I think, like 12 minutes past the hour. I do remember that quite clearly. That I woke up um, thinking like, oh, what's this? <laughs> Has the labor started? Mm. I'm not sure. And so I just lay in bed really quietly for a while and let my husband sleep and basically just started by feeling a little bit funny, like a little bit niggling feeling, oh, something's not quite the same as it was when I went to sleep. So I got up and peed and I was like, okay, yes, something's something's mm. happening. But it's not very bad yet. So I, in my mind, had this idea that because it's a first birth, it was going to be, you know, 18 hours or 30 hours or whatever. So I immediately closed all the blinds, made it really dark. Um, it was summer in Finland, so right. quite, quite light already or getting <laughs> starting to get light. So to make my, you know, cozy little dark place, closing all the blinds um, yeah, and lay down important. in bed and got really comfortable and just tried to kind of go into that semi-sleeping zone. I don't think I was completely asleep but halfway between and just was – doing a lot of visualizing of opening and relaxing and thinking of the contractions as waves. And I, th- I thought, oh, these aren't so bad. You know, this, I, I can, I could do this and thinking positively and calmly. And at some point my husband woke up to pee and I said, oh, I think, I think it started, but just go back to sleep. It's going to be a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I think around then I texted Rosalia to say, I think it started, but, but no hurry. Yes, you, you texted know. me at about five o'clock in the morning it was and you told me two hours before something had started yeah yeah so something has started but you know no worries I think it's gonna take a while I'll let her know if it you know and um she always suggested to well to me and I guess to her her clients that to jump in the shower and see if the shower will slow things down um but I was so comfortable in bed I said oh no I want I want to stay in bed for a while if things start to get more intense I'll go to the shower so my husband went back to sleep. He's a very good sleeper, so he went back to sleep. And um, at some point they started to get a bit more intense and not unbearable, but I was like, oh, okay, some, now it's, yeah, something's happening. So I woke yeah, him up. you felt the difference. Like yeah. it stepped up a notch. Yeah, yeah, stepped up a notch. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, definitely in, in labor now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my husband got up and he started, you know, putting the things in the freezer and packing up the house, you know, doing those kind of those tasks. And I, I remember we actually had no bathroom door at the time because we'd had some bathroom renovations and we needed to paint it. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll paint the bathroom door because it's going to take hours. That would be like a very calming, you know, easy task. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, this is going to be hours. That, that's it. That, we never got to that. That, that never happened. <laughs> and then I think I spoke again with Rosalia at some point. She said, maybe now it's a good time to jump in the shower so um I did that and at that point I was already it was quite painful but I mean I could deal with it it still so it was it was quite okay kind of hobbling to the bathroom and I put a a towel on the floor and just tried to breathe through the contractions and enjoy the water and I didn't really want to do any timing of contractions I wanted to kind of stay in my own mental bubble and just shut everything out and so I was yelling out to Kushan it started one started and he he was timing it and then okay it stopped it stopped it stopped <laughs> kind of yell, yelling that out <laughs> to him uh, yes. um, and then that's a bit funny because he was using some app I don't know what he was using but um, the app was telling him it's time to go to the hospital <laughs> and was like uh, no no it's just it's only been a few hours it's not it's not time to go to the hospital <laughs> so at some point he called <laughs> Rosalia and um Maybe she could say about this, but um, apparently she could hear in my voice. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, I got the call from Christian and I remember hearing you in the background and he was telling me, oh, you know, this is what's going on. And I'm like, okay, I need you guys to get ready. I'm not going to take a train. I'm getting the, my car and I'm coming to fetch you. <laughs> we need to get you to the hospital. So I left immediately. Luckily, I was ready. And uh, I remember going driving and thinking oh my gosh this has gone quite fast because from what I was hearing I could hear them definitely we're in active labor and then I arrived and the idea was that my husband was going to leave with the car and we would then go into the hospital but while we were in transit I think Christian had phoned Nystin Clinica to see if there was space and they said no there's no space you need to go to Huvinke so he phoned me back and said, oh, no, we have to go to Huvinka. And I'm like, no, we're not going to Huvinka. We don't have time. Phone Espo and find out if Espo has space. So he phoned Espo and they did have space. And so I had agreed that you guys would come downstairs onto the road so that we could go. And my husband was going to drive us there and drop us off at the hospital. And I arrived and there was nobody on the side of the road. So I came upstairs thinking, oh, my gosh, she isn't able to move out of the apartment. This baby's coming now. <laughs> so luckily, when I got upstairs, I just helped get, grab all the bags. And I said, right now, we're going down the stairs. We're going into the car. <laughs> and then we got in, you into the car. And maybe you can carry on telling the story from that point, how the car ride was. Yeah, sure. Actually, I'd like to add that while I was in the shower, there was definitely a point where I know the point where I went into active labor because it was like contractions, everything, you know, was going along. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, I want to say it feels like I was drunk, but like on drugs or I don't know, something that all of a sudden it was like, yeah, my mind was just gone somehow. And it was like, yes. Whoa, you know, this kind of lightheaded feeling not like fainting, but just I was I went somewhere else. And I remember yes. saying to Christian, oh, something's different, like something's changed. And that's I think when I probably also realized, okay, we need to we need to get going. Um and I remember when Rosalia came in the house, she was like, Oh, where's the tense machine? You're not wearing the tense machine. And I just remember thinking in my head, like, but I haven't even had time to put it on. <laughs> like everything was just going so much faster than what I had prepared myself because I was prepared for a long drawn out situation and you know plenty of time to put the tens machine on but no mm. um so yeah we jumped in the car and I felt very lucky that there was no seat in front of me so she's got a nice car car to be able to transport uh, laboring patients around um and um actually just having already having Rosalia there even though Christian was doing amazing they I they provided very different support Christian was kind of he's very practical and um, task driven. So he was doing, doing the things, you know, doing, doing this and packing this and carrying this. And, um, Rosalia was, I don't know, I, I always think of her kind of like a, a birth mama, you know, and she's very grounded and, um, uh, very dependable and warm. And so just having her there and she was, uh, doing pressure points on my hands. And I, I remember I was like, harder, harder. And so just having like that, the physical, help of someone just there and she was kind of mimicking my contractions and my sounds and so it felt not lonely it felt really like oh she's there with me doing this mm. with me and in that kind of moment of I guess active labor that was kind of just what I needed it because you know you start to have doubts and like oh my god can I do this and are we going to get there and I think just having her there already was what I had hoped it was going to be which was everything's going to be okay <laughs> Um, yeah. And then the drive was, I'm sure every laboring person has the same thing to say about <laughs> driving, that it feels eternal and horrible. But I think it was about a 40-minute drive and I was just trying not to look at the clock and just trying to focus on breathing and Rosalia was helping with that. And there was some speed bumps close to the hospital which were <gasps> excruciating and there was yeah. one in particular that – Rosalia was thinking that maybe, well, she could maybe explain that, but there was one particular one which was excruciating. Mm. Um, and I was also getting a little bit of, well, a little bit, I was getting some pain kind of between the contractions as well. It wasn't completely going away, so I wasn't sure what that was. And, yeah, maybe Rosalia can say more about that Yeah, if so she wants to. At, at that one speed bump, it was uh, one of the last ones getting to the hospital, and my husband was driving really, really slowly to go over them. But I think as we over, went over that bump, 
we came down on the ground, um, baby might have engaged further into the pelvis because suddenly the sounds changed, everything changed. And my husband even looked up at me uh, in, in the rearview mirror to realize, okay, this baby's on its way. So he knew that I now was saying, you know, with my eyes, go to the front door and get us out of this car now. <laughs> so there was a lot of silent communication between myself and my husband. Um, he, he obviously, I would say he's my doula. Uh, he knows a lot of information about birth because he's been with me for 23 years. So um, of which 20 I've been a doula. So he, he's become a doula himself. And he, he realized the sounds had changed and that I was implying, hurry up now, get us to the front door. And uh, so he smoothly got us there and uh, we got out of the car and we made our way to the um, uh, labor ward. Yeah. Maybe I can pick up where you left off. Um, when we arrived, I just remember thinking, okay, focus on getting into the hospital or getting into the door, into the room, you know, like little little goals in my mind and I I remember them kind of getting the bags and I was already just walking very slowly. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to start just slowly walking in. Um, and there's a little bit of walk in and you have to do your papers when you arrive. And it's funny cause you remember weird little side things, but I remember saying my name and, you know, give, signing the paper or whatever. And in the background, seeing like a couple of pregnant people just walking around and I'm like leaning on the thing, like, Oh, you know, moaning and having a contraction. And I remember thinking in my, my mind, like, Oh, I hope this isn't putting off these pregnant women seeing me, you know, like, you know, moaning in my, my, my pain or whatever. But yeah. Anyway, we got to the, the, they took us straight to the birthing room and I had kind of a very simple birthing plan that I'd made with Rosalia and Christian. And uh, we gave that and it was, we wanted to include the possibility of a bath if there was one. Um, So we did, we were lucky to get one. So that was great. Um, so we got there and they immediately put like a a, a drip thing in my hand and asked to do a examination. And actually I found that they were great. In my plan, I asked that they would always um, first request permission to do anything. And I thought that they did that really nicely. Um, so they followed my request for that. And so they requested to do a exam and said that I was fully dilated, which in the back of my mind, I was like, oh no, is this going to be like four centimeters? Because I still, even though I kind of knew, I kind of, you know, there's always some doubt in your mind, like, oh my God, what if I have to do this for 10 more hours, you know? So there was still doubt in my mind that, oh my God, can I do this? Or how long is this going to take? And um, so I felt very relieved to know, no, things are definitely on their way, even though Rosalia already knew that. <laughs> um, and then basically, I don't know. I guess I should just go into this because it's good to also talk about everything. Um, and these things don't always get talked about, but let's go into to birth and poo. <laughs> so um, I was very constipated in my pregnancy and basically hadn't been to the toilet very often. So they gave me an a enema to help yeah. get that out because I think it was kind of blocking um, the baby in the birth canal. And yeah, the, so, the, the descent of the baby's head. Yeah, so that was, I think, maybe related to how I was having pain in between the contractions, possibly. I'm not sure. Maybe Rosalia would know more about that. But it felt one of the things I was really clinging on to in preparation that is that the peak of a contraction doesn't last that long. And so even though it's extremely intense pain, that you do have relief. And so I wasn't mm-hmm. 100%, in get, 100% getting the relief part, I would say there was still um, pain in between. Um, And then I don't know if Rosalie has heard this this joke from me, but we've made this joke between Christian and I and some friends that then from my perspective, it felt like then it was the Kama Sutra version of a whole entire book of Kama Sutra birthing positions (laughs) from that (laughs) in a very short space of time. Um, (laughs) um, I hadn't heard uh, that yet from you, but it's visually accurate, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more. (laughs) Um, So basically we said we'd like to get into the bath and um, she wanted, the, the midwife wanted to put a monitor on the baby's head to do that. And I wasn't too keen on that, but in that particular state, I was like, 
I'd rather not do a negotiation at this point. I'd rather just get on with things. So I agreed. And um, so we got almost directly into the bath and the positions I felt more comfortable in, um, I guess the heart rate was going down during a contraction, which is normal, but was not going up as fast as the midwife wanted. Uh, Maybe Rosalia could also comment more on that. Um, So my position was getting changed um, and they were suggesting very nice, fine positions, but somehow me personally, um, the ones that I was going naturally in weren't the ones that I guess they wanted me to be in and vice versa. So um, I was moving around a lot and then um, quite felt like quite quickly, I have no idea about time at that point, um, they decided maybe it was better to get out of the bath because of that, the, the, the heartbeat, the midwife didn't, wasn't happy about that. So then we got out of the bath and then, then I think I was like leaning on the bed and then on a birthing stool facing Christian, facing away from Christian, back leaning on the bed. So there was like a whole lot of moving around, um, yeah. which was both – it it didn't feel wrong because I wasn't able to kind of find a comfortable position, if that makes sense. I think if I had found a position which I was like, no, I'm not moving, maybe I would have uh, requested to stop moving around. But every position I found wasn't – it somehow wasn't quite right. Um, but on the birthing stool facing away from Christian, so facing out, outwards, I guess, um, that was when they said, okay, now you've got to – start pushing and I had in my mind not wanted to push too soon um, because I wanted a a slow descent down the birth canal I wanted things to kind of happen as naturally as possible maybe it's worth mentioning that also I had um, HG um, and so physically I was quite weak compared to my usual physical self and so one of my concerns in my mind was I wanted to conserve energy and so if I had to push HG is when you are um, very nauseous but, during a pregnancy. And yeah, and vomiting, yeah. So I was vomiting and nauseous up until the day, in, uh, during the uh, labour. Actually, that, that morning I vomited. Um, um, so, and I lost like a lot of weight and um, I had been very unwell. So I was a bit aware that I didn't want to be pushing for hours. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to really conserve my physical strength. And also it's maybe more natural to let the, contractions uh, help the baby down the birthing canal instead of forcing and pushing. So even though the midwife was like, push, push, I was somehow not giving it my all. Maybe I should have given it my all sooner, but I had that kind of in my mind. And I really didn't want to coach pushing. You did really well to to follow your body. I mean, it's important. And 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 at this point you were were not on any medication. Yes, no medication. I hadn't taken any medication. Um, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to follow your body's instincts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So at this really point, it worked well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I listened to Rosalia's very first podcast where she really describes all of that very well. So if you don't know about that, she explains it better than me. So you can listen to that <laughs> that episode. But um, yeah, so I was kind of holding back a little bit. And also, I think this is very normal from what I can tell that the midwife always wanted me to push for a longer period of time than what I was doing. And she wasn't um, forcing me to do that too much. I, I was, I was basically just following my own contraction and when it was stopping, I was stopping. So I was quite conscious of that, not to just, you know, go, go in a hundred percent. So when I was on the birthing stool, I was doing like that. And then at some point I sensed from both the midwife more from the midwife that maybe, okay, now things need to move on a bit. And I was more guiding my feelings from Rosalia. So if she seems stressed or then the midwife, because I know that maybe they get worried sooner, if that makes sense. So at some point I sensed somehow that, oh, okay, maybe now I need to really start going for it a little bit more than don't hold back. And they gave some really nice advice to like hold onto the chair and um, kind of pull and not just push and how, how to kind of ground into my pushing mm. more. And um, maybe it's also worth mentioning that I'm a um, musician and so the breathing stuff I didn't find too difficult um, and I didn't have to prepare myself too much in that sense because it's part of my profession. Um, right. Yeah, so 
at that point, they wanted me to move again. <laughs> and so we got up on the bed and they put a kind of a frame where you can squat. And I already knew in my mind, like, I'm not going to be able to squat because my legs are just so weak from being sick for so long. So I ended up in the final phase of the pushing, kind of resting backwards and having Rosalia on one side and my husband on the other side. And they were supporting me physically um, to give me the strength while I rested and then kind of tipping forward in a kind of squatting position, which just happened to be on the bed because that's, <laughs> we were, I don't know, moving around. Um, and that at that point I really gave it everything. <laughs> mm. um, and I can definitely say in time you do forget that pain, but I remember thinking at that moment like I will never forget this pain, but I already <laughs> have started to, only I remember my promise to myself that not to forget it, but the the brain is very good at helping us um, forget these things. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it was basically at the time that he should come out and Rosalia was like, okay, now it's going to be the ring of fire. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, and she kind of, that's, I would say, the only part that was a little bit coached but in the, absolutely the right way, that she was like, okay, you're going to feel the ring of fire and I want you to stop pushing and just breathe. And so those kind of quick panting breaths and oh yes it was the ring of fire that's it's all true <laughs> well for me anyway I know you everyone has a different experience amazing through that all <laughs> you did really great <laughs> well it was very easy to follow your your guidance so it was extremely helpful and oh, I remember at some point she was she was like she ran to get some lip balm and was like putting lip balm on me and mm. you know these like kind of little things that later at the moment you don't think about it later I was like oh yeah that was great <laughs> you know not yeah having, like, the lips can get really dry and, yeah. yeah she has her handy toolkit there with all her her, <laughs> her tricks um yeah so the yep the ring of fire is real and then I he came out in one push and mm. I I I guess it's a combination of the fact of trying to kind of let it happen more naturally and also he was not a big boy but I'm also not a big girl so um <laughs> I don't know who knows I mean maybe Rosalia knows more about that as well but it I guess the whole thing felt quite textbook at that point like it went very yeah. very well and That's he came out and he was really tiny which I suspect was to do with the fact that I was sick and um then uh immediately I had him on my chest he passed a little bit of meconium I think when he came out um so uh Things were a bit messy, <laughs> um, but I, I immediately got him on my chest and we tried to get him to latch, but he was a little bit weak and small and he didn't latch so easily. I wanted to do the, you know, the breast crawl, but he was a bit weak to be able to do that, I think, um, or not able to as some babies would be, I guess. Um, and uh, they actually took him after a while, I'm going to say 40 minutes or I, at this point I have no idea of time but um, to clean him off because he had been covered in meconium. So usually I would have just um, asked that he wouldn't be cleaned, but in this case uh, they should clean him just because of the meconium. And I wanted to birth the placenta myself and I did see a midwife coming with a syringe of something and I was like, hey, what's that? And she said, it's oxytocin and usually we give it now for the birth of placenta. And I said, oh, is there any medical reason to give it and she said no so I was really glad that I had educated myself about that uh, step and so she didn't give me oxytocin and I birthed the placenta and then after the placenta a bit of extra blood did come out and they guessed it was about half a liter and it wasn't anything to be super worried about but um, they did say they wanted to give me the oxytocin at that point just in case there was extra piece there or the contractions weren't strong enough to get it all out so I agreed I also had requested that they don't cut the cord and that they let the cord stop pulsing before it's cut and they did that no questions asked which was great and when it was time to cut the cord Christian cut it which was really nice hmm. and um before throwing away the placenta they asked do you want to see it and originally I was had thought like mm, no I'm probably going to be you know busy with other things but in the moment it was so interesting somehow like this thing's been inside me all this time and here's my baby and my partner and so they showed it and explained it a little bit, which yes, I don't know. Somehow, when you see someone else's placenta just randomly out of the blue, it's like you. But in that moment, <laughs> seeing it, it's very like different. Yeah, yeah, it's very different. It's like this thing has kept your baby alive, and and um, 
you your body created this thing and yeah. so it's in the moment it's, it's an amazing a, organ yeah it's a very very different in in the moment to see that and have that explained and um actually this is where rosalia helped a lot and also christian helped a lot um so we had so now his name's phoenix but at that point he didn't have a name but um he was not able to keep get his temperature up after about an hour and a half i'm going to say and rosalia was still with us and so they said they'd like to go take him and put him under the lights which i agreed and he'd been suckling a tiny bit and um at this point I really was turning to Rosalia for her advice and she seemed to think it was okay. And um, so Christian went with him and was with him the whole time. And mm. in hindsight, it was actually a really, I wasn't traumatized by this at all because it was a really good moment to kind of collect myself and Rosalia helped because I was covered in everything from the birth and also meconium. So it was a, maybe a nice <laughs> point to get a little bit cleaner that, yeah, just sitting up in bed and going to the bathroom with, with Rosalia kind of leaning on her and she's saying like you know go slowly and it was just her and me like the midwives had gone and I guess they left us together because they knew she was there with me and um looking back on it it's another thing that I think was actually really beautiful because at the time it was just practical you know or I was thinking oh the baby's there and you know I, I don't know what I was thinking but that's so nice to go with another woman who she helped clean me showed me how to put the massive hospital pad on and um, reassures me, you know, that the amount of blood coming out is normal and, you know, just helped me feel a bit fresh again. It wasn't, we didn't have a shower, but just like a little bit of a towel down. So that in hindsight was actually kind of a really nice moment. Yeah. And um, another thing she really helped me with was um, because he's so small, she preempted the fact that we might need some colostrum extra um, to give to him. And so she helped hand express colostrum from both both of my breasts, which I had weirdly not educated myself on that much. I'd educated myself so much about the birth and everything yes. that could happen, but not this so much about really that. This is really very normal. Yes. <laughs> and so I would really highly recommend people to also research the breastfeeding part. Even yeah. it's the same as the birth, though, because it's a big question mark. You just don't know. You what, don't know. No. And and that's why having the support person is almost mm-hmm. worth more than educating yourself Absolutely. with everything you can because you don't know what information you will need at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so having really that happy. person to rely on mm. is, yep. is everything. Because, I don't know, in that moment when you're in this kind of little bubble with your new baby and your partner and Googling something, you know, like isn't it so much nicer to text somebody and say, hey, this thing just happened or call them and say, is this normal or what should I do? And so that was one of the thousand small details that I really appreciated having Rosalia. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she helped me express some colostrum and uh, even like how we stored it, she advised because the, the hospital gave us some syringes and they were telling me to collect each drop with a syringe. And she was like, no, 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 that's going to take a thousand hours. So she got a little cup and she was helping me do it into a little cup and then picking it up with the syringe. Like the, <laughs> I won't go into all these small details. We'd be here for hours, but all these kind of tiny little things They're put so together. They're so important, right? So important. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, all through the labor was like that. These kind of tiny little things that added up to amazing yeah. moments of knowledge and support. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, basically that's it. it. The whole thing took about 10 hours and I would say it was extremely intense and I feel very grateful that it was on the short side rather than the long side. I would <laughs> choose short and intense any day than myself. That's just the kind of person I am. I know I've had friends who've had short, intense labors and it was very, very difficult for them because the pain was so yes. quickly intense, which yes. I would say was true. It was very quickly, very intense. There was no smooth kind of easing into it. It was very sudden and I think that I dealt with it and didn't break just because I'd prepared mentally so much. And actually that's something I wanted to mention about um, the preparation because I know everybody's different. And one thing that many people say is to, especially with hypnobirthing or trying to do things without medication is to have these kind of positive affirmations. And I'm not this kind of person responds that well to those kind of things. I find it a bit 
cheesy, <laughs> you know, to have like someone gives me a card and it's like, you're strong <laughs> or, you know, you're a strong woman. Like, I mean, yes, okay, great, but that's that's just not me. And so actually Rosalie also gave me the idea to maybe think about it a different way and think about my own fears and write down something positive based on my own fear. And so I did that and I think that really helped in the preparation because mm. it was a personal affirmation. Right. So, so much more powerful and meaningful. Absolutely. So if you're the kind of person that doesn't want like, you know, the a Disney-style <laughs> card to that's I mean in my mind that's how I kind of imagine it but if you if you are then amazing because then it's done for you so you don't have to put the extra effort in to do it but that really helped I think so when the pain but also the process in itself like looking at your fear acknowledging your fear finding positive ways to think about it instead just that process is helpful maybe more than just receiving an affirmation from somewhere yes absolutely yes and so I think that that's something I would like to mention in terms of being okay with that pain. And mm-hmm. I know it's a very common fear is just, can I deal with the pain? <laughs> and yeah. that's why we so easily want to have epidurals or different things, which I'm absolutely not against because everybody has different limits and different wishes. Um, but just for me, I was afraid more of having an epidural than the pain. I, yeah. For me, it was kind of a very scary thing to think about. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's one of the reasons why I really didn't want to have a cesarean because I didn't want to have the epidural or the the process that goes along with with that. Um, so facing the fact that I was going to have to have a lot of pain <laughs> is something that I had to deal with, and it was okay. Did it, did it yeah. cross your mind at any point during the birth, like? I, I don't know if I can handle the pain I want an epidural or maybe um, I will take the epidural or no, not epidural. The only thing in my mind was the time. So I was like, can I handle this if it's gonna be ten more hours or you know what I mean? So ahead. Yeah. So I I in the moment I was able to handle it, but if someone had told me, Oh, you've got to do this for ten hours, then I would wouldn't have known but of course Rosalie I knew that I was already in active labor and now I know that that switch in the shower so yeah it's I think for me anyway getting through each contraction was possible it was just how long do I have to do this for (laughs) so getting to the hospital was like each thing in my mind okay let's just get to the hospital okay oh I'm fully dilated okay great so that means we're close and so at that point I think I kind of knew oh now I can I can do it because I anyway yeah. probably can't get any help anymore. So <laughs> then it was really just use the tools that I have, which is breathing and relaxing. And yes. um, yeah, the, I know that there's this Instagram Instagrammer that does the floppy face, floppy fanny. <laughs> so, you know, these, these kind of like little, little taglines that go through your head. And um, yeah, so at the end of it all, it was – very positive and very painful yes but very Mm. positive and I feel so happy that it went the way it did and I don't think I would have changed anything Um, I'm so happy that I educated myself so much I think that really helped and I think without the education and the preparation and without having Rosalia it could have gone differently maybe it still would have been fast I don't know but maybe it could have been like we didn't make it to the hospital or I didn't handle the pain or, um, I mean, many different paths. So I feel that definitely I was able to influence how well it went and therefore it's been a a painful yet positive experience. Of course, your baby makes it 100% worth it. And it's it's meant to be intense. Yes, yeah. And actually that's something that really stuck with me as well in the preparation is that it's a pain that's supposed to be there. Yeah. That that was something that also mm – that's something that really st- stuck in my mind in the preparation side of things as well, that this pain is supposed to be there so that he can get out rather than, you know, breaking your arm and that pain is not supposed to be there. So that yeah, we have all kinds of physical pain in our lives and due to what whatever accidents and mental anxieties, et cetera, but birth is something that we are physically able to deal with. And I so I, in the back of my mind I was like I can – 
do this or I'm, I'm built to do this so I can do it. And it's kind of more a, a mental uh, test in a way. So like mind over matter, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, it is. And it's a lot about getting out of your own way. Yes. As you were saying, I was thinking, how long can I do this? Mm. So I said you you were thinking. So the, the, the biggest point is that you were thinking. <laughs> mm. Yep. Thinking you were kind of getting in your own way. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you know? absolutely. To be able to put that aside and be just with every moment as it is. And you were doing that, as you said, like, okay, now let's just get into the, you broke it down into smaller bits and pieces. But um, the idea is to really move aside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what you were saying that you felt the difference in the shower, that's altered state of consciousness. When we when we birth without any medication and any pain relief, any chemicals, we have our own natural endorphins in our body. And those are our painkillers and those are what make us go into an altered state of consciousness. So mm-hmm. you you had that. That was exactly yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> this woo feeling. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, literally that. like woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so looking back, yeah, I was going to ask, looking back now, let's get back just for a few more minutes and mm-hmm. before we finish to that question mm-hmm. of of uh, why would you have a doula also for a second birth now that oh, we've heard um, the story? Um, I think just having that person there that you can 100% trust and who can read you really well, like she knew me already and who I could also read. So in these kind of situations where – like in the car, you know, that I felt like, oh, I can 100% depend on her right now to help me get there, you know, and her physical presence and just leaning on her and her, you know, pressing my hands so hard, just having somebody ride through those contractions with you. And also your partner can do that, of course, absolutely, 100%. And I think that, I don't know, it's all these tiny little details that if she hadn't been there, maybe they would have gone a different direction. And so I could trust her to help me get on the direction that I wanted to go. Even it's my decision at the end, I could look to her and read her body and see that she's relaxed and calm and therefore I could be. Whereas yeah. I could see that the midwife was a bit more tense or excited yeah. or, and I don't know who she is. I can't read. Is that mean because she's just happy, excited, or is she scared, exactly. excited? Or so, yeah, yeah you just don't having, know her. yeah. Yeah, don't know her. And actually, I think I was quite lucky that I had midwife that really just let us do our thing, except for a few of the technical details like the monitor on the head. And so in that regard, I I know friends who've had midwives who've been quite difficult. And so absolutely would want one again just to help these kind of uncontrollable situations where maybe the birth is completely different. Maybe there is an emergency. Maybe it is 36 hours long. And we're laboring at home for 30 hours, you know. Um, and we that don't was get act- to choose. <laughs> no, we don't get to choose, yeah. So that's another yeah. reason why, I mean, it's just such a big question mark. Even you've done it before, right? And that's what I didn't get when <laughs> she was saying that even third and fourth time clients, I was like, what? But they've given birth. Like they know how it goes. And, yeah, you yeah. might have an idea of the pain at least and can you do it. And um, But plenty of people have births which are, completely different from each other mm. every every single birth so I would absolutely want that support again and mm. that assurance of just having someone there that you can trust and who cares for you and yeah. I mean she's really like to me she's like a birth mama like, I don't know how yeah, else please. to explain her but I love yeah. that <laughs> yeah she's like I totally a, see why you say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wonderful wow that's that's so awesome is there anything else you want to add just before we end our episode for today I mean I don't know I guess just that if someone's listening to this just do whatever you can to prepare that makes you feel comfortable because to me doing all this preparation quite hardcore um, studying and learning and um, that's what helped me and I know some people don't want to know so much and that makes them feel better but do what helps you to feel that you can come out through this experience and make it positive because I think it would be such a regret to go through it and feel that you didn't do all you could do or you didn't have the support you needed um, for beforehand and during and after. Um, And if that means getting a doula or asking a friend or I don't know, anything, 
searching the internet. Um, I think that it's really an event that's worth making a positive one, if you can. And even if it goes terribly, I think you could try and put a positive spin on it knowing that you did everything that you could, if that makes Mm. sense. Mm. Um, So if it ends in a cesarean, knowing that, okay, I tried this and I tried that, or if you know you wanted epidural, understand what does that mean, what kind of medications are going to come with it so that later you're not like, oh, why did this happen and I'm so disappointed about this or that. I think it's if you can actively try to make it a positive experience, that would be my takeaway Mm -hmm. Um, because it's something we live with forever, right? It is. It's not just one day of your life. It's it's such an important day of your life. <laughs> and I yeah. see friends who've had traumatic births that it's it's something that you really have to work through. And yes. of course, even with a doula, you could have a traumatic birth and you still might need to work through it. But it might be just that little bit easier, I think, um, yeah. if you if you're prepared and have a kind of positive mental space going into it, I guess. Hmm really wise words (laughs) a great way to to finish off so from my side I just want to thank you for coming on and and sharing um, your story so that other people who are preparing to give birth in Finland can also you know hear what what it was like for you um, and have a reference point and you know a story (laughs) to to hear and to to just listen to that experience so thank you and I also want to thank Rosalia for having been on the on the show on the episode today yeah and we'll do more birth stories with other mamas so thank you for for coming and telling your story as well thank you so much for having me it's a real really an honor and very nice to share Hey, thank you for listening to this episode and welcome back next week. Just before you go, I want to ask you a question. Do you want postpartum support from people around you but struggle with asking for help? Do you feel awkward to have this kind of conversation? Are you not really sure what to say? I've got you covered and I've created just the guide for you. It's a word-for-word script that will help you feel confident to have this hard conversation. You will also receive the three crucial elements for a request for help, which will turn it from a nice idea into a reality. Until now, this script has been used only by my clients, and this will be the first time that it is offered for free. It's your chance to receive a great tool which has guided many of my clients in overcoming their fear of asking for help and allowed them to build their village. Do you want the guide that will help you build yours? You can download it now by visiting motherstransition.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Birthing in Finland podcast. To get the show notes for this episode, go to doulacollective.fi forward slash birthing in Finland. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and share this with someone who you think needs to hear it. A friend, a colleague, a neighbor. Help us get the word out so that more families can start enjoying these conversations. See you next time when I introduce you to another amazing person supporting families just like yours.